Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. Today's passage is 2 Corinthians 1, 1 through 11. Parents, how do you feel about your children? You love them. You love them probably just as much as you love anything else or could possibly love anything else. Now, how would you feel if one of those children was stubborn, rebellious, and even strained? Would you continue to love them or would you just give up on them? I hope the answer would be, I think we all hope the answer would be that you would continue to love them. And that is an image that I think will be helpful for us as we start the book of 2 Corinthians. We looked at 1 Corinthians and we saw this church had issues. And really, instead of making some broad theological argument, uh, the letter is really going issue by issue through the church and addressing those issues. Well, now we come to 2 Corinthians. And you know what? The church still has issues. And there are some encouraging things that we see in this, uh, but we also see that there seem to be some in the Corinthian church who specifically are unfairly, unjustly, inaccurately opposing the apostle Paul. And so uh, the Corinthian church presents a challenge to the apostle Paul, but like a parent would with their child. Paul continues to love the Corinthians. This book, I think perhaps more than any other book, especially the letters written to churches, in this book, we really see the pastoral heart of the Apostle Paul. We see him continuing to love this church, even when things are difficult. And that in and of itself should be a valuable lesson for us uh, in life. So, Keep that analogy in mind, keep that reality in mind as we read through this letter, because you will start to see some of those elements at play. The first 11 verses, which is all we're going to look at today, really does begin, though, on a more encouraging note. Uh, we, We see the standard introduction of the Apostle Paul here, and he includes Timothy, and he's writing to the church that is in Corinth. And he gives the standard greeting of grace to you and peace from God, our father in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he says this, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of mercies and God of all comfort. So that is a great title for God, that he is the God of all comfort. And that is something I hope comforts you today. You may be listening to this podcast, you may be reading this passage in a place where you are uncomfortable, where there is some measure of affliction in your life. Take heart today that you trust in the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. And this passage reminds us of the reality of suffering. It says, who comforts us in all our affliction. Uh, And Paul then describes in verse Eight, uh, a specific affliction, a specific trial and period of suffering that they experienced 
in Asia. We don't know the details of it, but it's clear it was bad. They, it says they were so utterly, utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. This is a pretty intense trial. And one thing about the Bible is that it really presupposes the reality of suffering. We are going to suffer in this world. We're going to suffer um, sometimes as a result of our sin. We're going to suffer because the world is broken. We're going to suffer because we are uh, flawed or our bodies are flawed. And then on top of just the, the normal suffering that will come in a sin-cursed world, we also will experience suffering as Christians. Suffering is part of the Christian life. It's something God uses for sanctification and also um, something that will happen as a result of pursuing Christ. There will be opposition to that. Uh, But this also speaks some to the purpose of suffering. It, It points out some of the reasons why we will experience suffering. And the first I would say that we see here is that then we can be comforted by God. We then know the sweetness of divine comfort in the midst of suffering. That's why the old saying goes, I've learned to kiss the wave that throws me against the rock of ages. If there were no suffering in the world, we would not know comfort. We would not know the comfort that comes uh, to help us when we are hurting. And that is a sweet facet of God. He is the father of mercies and the God of all comfort. So some suffering allows us to see that and allows us to be comforted by God. But also another purpose of suffering is that it helps us to encourage others. It says so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. So another purpose of suffering is that it allows you, it gives you the ability to comfort others in their suffering. And we'll talk about that more in a bit. But then a third purpose we see of suffering, uh, we see in verse 9 where it says, Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Uh, So suffering teaches us not only the reality of God's comfort, but it teaches us to actively rely on God. He's saying uh, this, God used this to teach us to rely not on ourselves. We don't want to be self-reliant. We want to be people that rely on God. And we trust that he will deliver us. Verse 10, he delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. Uh, That again speaks to the nature of God. God is a deliverer. And so we rely on him to deliver us from every trial. And even as believers, we trust that he will deliver us from death itself. That doesn't mean that he will keep us from never dying, but he will raise us from the dead, which we talked about extensively in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. So we need to actively trust on God. And those are a few purposes of suffering that we see in this uh, passage, that it shows us the comfort of God, it gives us the ability to comfort others, and it teaches us to actively rely on God. And so again, if you are approaching this passage and there's some element of suffering in your life, and I would imagine for most of you, there's at least some pocket of suffering in your life. Some of you, suffering may be 
just something you could use to describe your whole life right now. You are in a state of suffering. But I would guess that most of you, there's still at least some area of suffering in your life. I doubt almost any of us, as we read this passage, are saying, you know what? I can't imagine anything in my life that could possibly be going better. No, there's something that is off. We need to remember that God is the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. You can look to God today. You can look to God to comfort you in in the physical pain you may be experiencing today. You can look to God to comfort you for the emotional pain uh, you may be experiencing today. You can look to God to comfort you for the persecution you may be experiencing today. God can comfort you you. And so you need to actively rely on God. And as a pastor, that's something that I often see when hard times come, it often provokes one of two responses from people. Either they question God, they get angry at God, and even they they stray from God, or they lean into God. And this time of suffering becomes one of the greatest times of spiritual growth in somebody's life. What are you going to do today? in response to the suffering in your life? Are you going to question God, get angry at God, and stray from God? Or are you going to lean into God, rely on Him, and see how He delivers, and experience the mercy and the comfort that only He can provide? What are you going to do in response to suffering? That's one of the key questions I hope you'll answer in response to this passage. But one other thing I want to touch on before we close is the role that we have to play. And We mentioned earlier, one of the reasons God allows us to suffer is to give us the ability to comfort others. So we should be seeking to comfort others in suffering, but also we should be enlisting the help of others when we are suffering. Verse 11, you must also help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of the many. Prayers work. Prayers make a difference. So one thing you should be doing is praying for other people who are suffering. And another thing that you should be doing is asking for prayer in the ways that you are suffering. We need each other. So pray for others in their suffering and don't be too proud to invite other people into praying for your suffering. Sometimes there's sermon illustrations that really stick. And I remember a sermon illustration from a message on this passage given by my old pastor on an Easter Sunday. And he was talking about a time where he was snorkeling with his daughter and sons in Hawaii, and the daughter came across a turtle in the ocean. And of course, we may think, oh, cool, a turtle. Well, for a little girl, it was also pretty frightening. And how did the girl respond? She put one hand out to her father, and she put one hand out to her brother. And that's a good image for us when we are in suffering. Let's put one hand up to our heavenly father and one hand out to our brother and sister to ask for the help that we need. Because we know God will deliver. He's the God of all comfort, but we need the prayers of other people. So the suffering that you are experiencing today, don't run from God in it. Use it to actively rely on God and put one hand up to your father And then put one hand out. Let someone know how they can be praying for you in your suffering today. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. 
The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.